1: And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick. And as always, we talk about things related to the disaster recovery, business continuity realm. And uh, I always like to ask if there are uh, any topics uh, that you want us to talk about, please send me an email at info at stone-row.com. And I believe you can also contact me through the voiceamerica.com uh, website as well. <laughs> So please feel free uh, to let us know what you want us to talk about or uh, get you on the show to talk about uh, you know, your subject and be a guest. I'm more than willing to have you on the show. This week, we're going to be talking about issue management. Now, uh, a lot of people think issue management, uh, you know, especially when it comes to project management, but issue management is a much bigger uh, field. So today, I have a... Uh, friend uh, from uh, curling believe it or not we were on the same curling team mr glenn duff uh, now glenn i could you tell us about yourself welcome to the show first of all thank you very much you know, and uh, let us know you know uh, how how you got into this uh, issue management sure. and what you know and then we'll move into uh, our you know basic agenda that we want to cover
2: Thanks, Alex. Um, I was born in Canada, grew up in uh, Western Canada in Vancouver. After high school, I decided to head down to Texas to university where I got a degree in uh, biochemistry. I was going to study medicine and the way things developed, I ended back up in Canada, uh, took a job in pharmaceutical sales and kind of worked my way up in, in the company. I was promoted into the head office in the training function and uh, I served in that and uh, became the head of training and uh, I then uh, became head of issues management. Uh, My background uh, in business uh, was, of course, after university, was in the pharmaceutical industry and um, I became director of issues management on the management team and uh, vice president level for Sibagagi Canada and Sibagaygi uh, is a Swiss multinational. We had many, many businesses, primarily in the fine chemical industries. Uh, and of course, my business was the human pharmaceutical business, the prescription drug business. Um, when I was promoted uh, as Director of Issues Management, I had a number of responsibilities, including communications, government relations, at least our, our, my department did, and uh, both internal and external communications. But the main function of my uh, work was as an issues manager. Uh, we had a very, uh, I was fortunate in that uh, Siba Geige had a very high emphasis and understanding of issues management. Which quite frankly, if uh, I am is to be, um, to be effective uh, in an organization and meaningful, it clearly needs needs the top uh, support. There's no question about that. So, so
1: let let's explain um, what issue management is then for our sure. Listeners. Sure. And so that we're we get all on the same page because I know there are different aspects to issue management. You know, uh, disaster recovery has one um, definition. Project management has another definition. Right. But yours was a lot broader than that. You know, it included some of that, but it was also broader. So can you tell us really what issue management is? Sure.
2: Well, I guess it's difficult to really explain what issues management is about without speaking of of a definition of issues, uh, particularly with respect to organizations, be it government, the private sector, a church, whatever it happens to be. Uh, an issue is really a pressure on an organization. I suppose um, to, it, it's, it's not a bad idea to sort of think of it as almost like a balloon. And, you know, somebody's pumping up the balloon or it's collapsing a bit or whatever. So it's a pressure on an organization. And, uh, of course, this is, is, it can be an internal pressure. It can be an external pressure. It can even be a positive pressure. But generally speaking, we do tend to think of issues management as managing the environment you're in that's putting pressure on the organization where there's a gap between stakeholder expectations and what the company, what they perceive as the the company as to what they're delivering. So, um, uh, really, an issue... Um, it's important to understand issues by defining them and, and, and clearly doing an analysis of the most important issues that you, you can manage. Sometimes uh, there are issues that are far beyond the ability of any organization to manage it. A good example is a government and a political nightmare that's gone away. And before long, the media's got it. And it's a story with lots of legs. Oh, yeah. And away you go. Yeah,
1: those uh, PR (laughs) nightmares.
2: Right. So that's what an issue is. To manage an issue is a process. And um, I, I, I guess to put it in a very brief form, if an important negative issue is not picked up early, we tend to call that a trend which may or may not develop into a full-fledged issue. For example, um, in the industry I was in, and specifically the human pharmaceutical business, clearly animal research was, was an issue. And, you know, somebody started saying, well, you know, we shouldn't be sacrificing uh, dogs and monkeys and all the rest of it. And way back then, uh, you just kind of ha hawed and said, so what? But that really became more than just a trend. It became a huge issue. So it's that with the animal rights people driving it. And they're not the only stakeholders, but that was an example of a full-fledged issue.
1: Even if uh, trends can become issues, are trends more um, uh, temporary type things? Because that's usually what, you know, you hear fashion trends and you hear, you know, trends in game games and trends in TV shows. So they sure. tend to be temporary. Sure. So is that... Is that kind uh,
2: often, of- often trends come and go. Different trends appear, um, and uh, I, I think uh, one could go crazy identifying a thousand different trends that might affect their business. Clearly, it's about um, uh, it's about uh, getting a sense of of where the most important trends are and whether they're evolving. Who's pushing for them? Uh, I think uh, the, the pushing the issue. Uh, Clearly, um, uh, trends weren't something that I dealt a whole lot with. I tended to look at at growing trends a little bit. And I suppose in the practice of issues management, and I think our organization might have been a little unusual, but my work was closely linked to our strategic plan of, of the corporation. You know, very often there's a bit of a, disconnect between the very senior management, especially the, the, a, a good CEO is more uh, more interested in, in the future and, um, and the strategies, and, um, you know, do we buy this, do we get rid of this, or do we need to develop in this area or that area, whereas, uh, really, from the vice presidents on down, the tendency, of course, is much more on the day-to-day business. Let's get the clinical research done, uh, the sales and marketing people. Let's get out there and promote this to doctors and pharmacists, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the real challenge in issues management, getting people to understand that they have to do their day-to-day work that they're paid to do, but they're also paid to be aware of the long-term interests of the organization, and that means managing issues.
1: So all those people that you mentioned, they would be what you called earlier the stakeholders? Pardon me? The stakeholders? Yeah. Well, the
2: stakeholders, um, in many issues, of course, the stakeholders are internal people. If there's, a, if there's an issue, an internal issue, and we, in our, in our strategic planning, um, if I recall correctly, I'm not even sure I can remember them now because it's a long time back, but we had, I believe, um, four internal issues and five external issues. And of the four internal issues we had, the stakeholders clearly were employees because there was the question of employee morale, which uh, was important. <laughs> so certainly, in the, in terms of the strategic plan and the outward look, the external issues were critical to the organization. That formed the basis of uh, developing our objectives and our strategies and our, you know, our, our, our actions uh, by each department, be it medical or the marketing department or uh, uh, manufacturing
1: so uh, now i want everyone to know glenn gave me some lots of information before the show so i'm going to be asking you questions as you go through these
2: Uh well (laughs) Uh, i hope i have the answers there's a lot more (laughs)
1: stupid answers than stupid questions (laughs) the only stupid question is the one never asked there you go Yeah. uh what's a gap then yeah. That 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 was identified. Uh, you right. had identified here right. too. So I'm kind of curious. Yeah. You know what, what's the what's the difference of the gap? Yeah, that's
2: that's a good question. that's critical because part of understanding an issue is your stakeholders. So of your most important stakeholders, let's say for well, I, I don't want to keep using a pharmaceutical example, but um, let's say you're a consumer of your product, be it automobiles or buttons or whatever. Um, if if Uh, They're clearly an important stakeholder. If there's a gap between what you believe you're trying to deliver in terms of quality or the product itself or whatever, between the consumer um, as a stakeholder and also what the company is doing, uh, that's that's pretty important, obviously. And uh, for example, uh, we, we define two kinds of gaps. And I guess this is where I could touch a little bit on the traditional public relations, which of, course, sure. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Sure. which, of course, didn't always have a very good name. Because PR, when it kind of got off the ground and running in the 50s and 60s, PR was no matter whether there was a real gap or a perceived gap, they treated it as a perceived gap. And they just kept saying, no, no, the product's great, the product's great, the product's great. Well, maybe it's not. So, so then it's it if it's a perceived gap, when in fact the product you're delivering is is what they do want, then of course, it is a communication issue. If there is a real gap, you know your car, the brakes aren't working well or there's some problems with uh, a number of things after the car's only been on the road six months, uh, you've got a real gap. and that's where issues management isn't always popular in an organization because it requires, Going to the president and saying, look, we've got to make changes, this is what's going on there. And you're a val- valuable uh, ally to the, to the whole company, but especially to the president, dealing with a problem as serious as that. So the gap is perceived, a perception, which is easy, deal with communication. Or the gap may be one of reality, in which don't, don't tell them you're not, you know, you're not polluting the river when they can see the effluent running out the back.
1: It kind of reminds me of some of those examples like uh, Lac-Mégantic, the train disaster in Quebec, where the president of the train rail company, oh, I thought I could you know, manage this better in my office. Yes. Well, you know, you've got a town half burned, blown to bits, and unfortunately there were many casualties, you know. That, that had obviously that was a major issue for him because Correct. people were looking over his shoulder at a you know, the town that was burning, and he was saying he could manage it better in his desk. That's know, right, in Chicago, Alex. Chicago, I think it was. And
2: that, that also raises uh, an issue of uh, another function, and uh, that's why I had communication, both internal and external, within my department. Um, obviously. Uh, You've got to be a good communicator, be a good issues management. If, if, for no other reason, selling the issues within your own organization and getting people to act on it. Now, if there was an issue in uh, in manufacturing, you know, I knew nothing about manufacturing tablets and and uh, syrups and all of this. So uh, that was one they had they had to take hold. And in the strategic plan, they had specific action points that arose from that issue. If if there was an issue affecting that department. So the communication is critical obviously.
1: So with with the communication it, it just kind of triggered a, a a point that I was had a conversation with somebody a little while ago. When there's an issue and it's because of communication is it because the issue relates more to expectations and obligations where there's a the gap like you mentioned what I'm supposed to give you is not is my understanding of what I give you but what I what you're receiving is not the same as what right. you expected from me. Like right. we, we have a gap between what the deliverable is. Certainly, certainly. I mean, you
2: can't please all the people all the time. Uh, let's be realistic. Uh, on the other hand, um, uh, I, I think it, it's like a good marketing department. They do a huge amount of marketing research, and they, they pull their customers, and they try to get a good reading uh, through market research on what are they looking for in a product. So you better develop a product. You better promote a product as having those qualities if it's going to be
1: important. So that what I'm getting is exactly what I'm expecting. That's right. You know, um, I know it happens all the time. You know, even you can just go, you know, talk to Union Gas, or you can talk to you know your cable company, and what you think you're getting is not always what you actually receive. That's correct. And then you're going to have
2: disgruntled. Customers, yeah. for example. Yeah, you change suppliers,
1: right. and you know, that's right. and that's when you end up with the social media hype. You know, I dealt with X, Y, Z company, and they're terrible. Blah 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 yeah. blah blah. Yeah. And you end up with the PR, and nowadays, social media, you know, things like you mentioned earlier, sure. um, snowball rather quickly. Of course. And before you know it, you've got this massive issue over something that actually started out as that, something. Small. That's right.
2: Now, I, I worked in, as I mentioned briefly, I, I believe in Canada prior to the merger, of which I was involved in, Sibagagi and Sandoz, both Swiss companies merged to Form Novartis, which was a huge uh, uh, company, $65 billion capitalization and $15 billion in the bank at the time of the merger, 1995, 96. Um However, what often would happen in the pharmaceutical group is we'd get blindsided because of something going on in the agricultural chemicals, or the dye stuffs, or the veterinary care products, or the consumer mm-hmm. products, and it would just come out of the blue because of uh, the manufacturing and issues of uh, of pollution. We we had a specific example where we got into all kinds of problems with uh, with Greenpeace who didn't like us that much anyway to start with. And um, there had been a spill in the Rhine. And, of course, it hurt us in the pharmaceutical group because Sibagagi, Sibagagi. And um, the fact that we had actually rented that facility to Roche, and they were the ones that made the, the, the spill, you, we couldn't, they, they kept insisting it was us. They, they, they knew the truth, but away they went. So what can you do? Well, the way you deal with the media on that has to be very, very careful, very clear. Um, No lies, you know, no BS. You've got to call a spade a spade. If you've done something wrong, fess up and do it. The sooner the better. And the longer it goes on, they're sure you're hiding something else. And they will find something. And you know, and, and quite honestly, uh, that seems to go against the grain of many, many management people, many CEOs.
1: I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I remember speaking with somebody else and they said a lot of times when it comes to issue management, don't let legal get involved. Absolutely. Now, what's your feeling on that?
2: <laughs> You've got to be careful who's speaking. I, when we have a chance, I don't think we need to do it now, but I was part of a um, training seminar in Basel, Switzerland. And uh, they brought the uh, top communicators from all the major countries around the world, uh, along with all the presidents. And one of the, well, I can mention it maybe, yeah. One of the sure. case, sure, one of the case studies was you're closing a plant in Italy, and you're, you're the Italian company, and you're closing a plant in Italy in three months. It hasn't been announced, and um, the media's picked up on this. So then, of course, the and we were paired with a, not our own CEO, but a CEO from another uh, group company. Um, so there wasn't the you know the usual kind. Of, every one of the CEOs wanted to deny it. Really? Yes. Interesting. And none of the uh, communication guys wanted to deny it. They said, "Look, you have to come out and tell them." But you know they're trained to do what the head office says, and uh, the head office says, we don't want uh, to make this public until you know a week before or a month before or something, because the union's involved and the workers, and you know all all the others, the government. And um, it was quite interesting. the The really interesting part about it, the the uh, communicators that convinced that since the media wanted to hear from the CEO, not not the usual communication s- spokesperson, um, they um, they would finally uh, sort of reluctantly agree that that uh, yes we're going to tell them or in some cases they st- stood their own ground say no I'm we're not going to admit it and when they did you could look at the nonverbals in their face and there you could see it all over them lying 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 lying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's a perfect note to end this segment on. <laughs> We're talking with Glenn Duff about Asian management. We'll be right back.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected.
1: And welcome back to the show. Uh, we're talking with Glenn Duff today about issues management. We had a uh, great uh, first segment there, lots of good information. Now, the second segment, Glenn Can you kind of walk us through? There's a life cycle to issues management. Um, It's not just, oh, here's the issue and deal with it. There's an actual life cycle to it. Right. Can you explain us um, what that life cycle is and all the steps and what it involves? Sure.
2: Of course, one of the more sensitive issues,
1: particularly in in the
2: pharmaceutical business, but any business, I suppose, uh, really is pricing. And uh, that was always a big issue. Not one we could manage because we were not prepared to reduce our prices. <laughs> so um, uh, this, this, is a, this is an example then of when you get more and more complaining and whining and by governments, uh, provincial governments in the case of Canada pay for uh, the pharmaceuticals uh, for the most part for the elderly. Uh, so that's about 45 or 50 percent of the pharmaceuticals prescription drugs sold in Canada so obviously they can put a lot of pressure on the pricing issue um, what happens when and of course when you see that trend happening the the, the cycle of, of that issue is that it it, it develops in, into an issue. The media is constantly talking about the high prices. Governments are concerned. For those p- customers that are cash paying, um, they become more and more concerned. And of course, the the um, advent and the growth of generic drugs became, of course, a big challenge for us. Um, it can reach a point uh, where the issue, if it's not managed, uh, either um, by changing pricing or by at least communicating better, um, it becomes a crisis and, and reaches a crisis point, and then it can become an emergency. The net end of that that cycle is is almost always legislation. We actually had that with uh, with an organization called the the the. Um, Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Prices Review Board (PMPRB), which was set up by the government to look at new products, new chemical entities that were brought out by the company and how they were being priced, and um, there there were some serious fines, and um, uh, I personally had to appear at one of those with our president, um, and um, it's it's not a nice thing to be put through. Um, the other thing, uh, if you look at that trend then becoming going way up there as, uh, as an eventually legislation, or as one politician once told me, almost as effective as legislation is the threat of legislation. <laughs> they consider that one of their levers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah.
2: And obviously uh, on the flip side of that then is your degree of freedom decreases the whole time. Because once you get into uh, to legislation, regulations, a lot of pressure from customers, especially if they start walking away from your product, um, you're losing a great deal of your freedom as, as, a, as, a, as an organization. Again, be it government, be it a, the private sector or a, a private company, be it a public company, whatever. So that's kind of the way the life cycle goes. So obviously the impact goes way up. If, if an issue isn't properly managed. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, we would, I sometimes identify issues that were incredibly important to the company, maybe very, with a tremendous potential for negativity. Um, and I, I can tell you a specific example. Um, and, and in fact, uh, because we had an issues management uh, function at Sibagaygi, we we brought it to our industries association. All of a sudden, out of the blue, this company with, with this industry with very good profits, very, very effective industry, very well organized, highly scientific. We discovered there was a whole big group of customers out there, we never realized it. Governments would have their formularies and make their drugs available for the elderly and the poor. But working people very often, and particularly unions, um, Started, unions started to negotiate specifically the big three auto bakers and, and the auto workers. They went, um, and we picked this up early in the game, but uh, um, they went to, uh, and said, We believe you should uh, have more generics and not just give what the doctor prescribed, it should be substituted at a much lesser cost. And with that money, you should give it to us as part of our hourly rage. That's what the union started doing. Because they saw what provincial governments were doing. And as a result, many of the automakers then started to um, to uh, focus in on uh, on uh, cheaper drug plans. Because every time th- the drugs were prescribed and used
1: by their employees, it was actually the company that was paying the shot. Well, I know that particular issue that reoccurs every couple of uh, years. Oh, absolutely. When they renegotiate the, the contracts because yes. you hear them. For you sure hear that on the radio for and you sure hear it on TV so that
2: that was that appeared in our strategic plan way back in uh, the early er, 1990 thereabouts uh, it was a very good business for us and we didn't really attend to it very much because our our salespeople and our promotional efforts were directed towards hospitals pharmacists and of course physicians who prescribed. And this this is a case where it's a bit awkward because typically prescription drugs aren't supposed to be promoted anywhere else. But meanwhile, you've got benefits consultants, you've got unions and the employees and other businesses that are looking to save a buck. Mm-hmm. Because typically um, uh, uh, benefits uh, add about 15% on top of your salary, which in the vast majority of companies is the number one uh, driver of cost, right? There's salaries and, mm-hmm. and benefits. So uh, that became an issue. We called it the private drug plans, PDP. And we drove it up to our uh, Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association of Canada because it, it was not, I guess the point I'm trying to make, and I don't want to keep yakking in a monologue, but well, okay. the reality was this was not an issue that we could manage. We couldn't afford to. We'd be out of business. We I, I could have easily used up our annual sales, just trying to manage this issue in some way, form or another. So that became a, that was driven. And this is not uncommon, where you get an industry association working for the rights of the individual companies. Even though you're, you're hardline competitors against each other, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and smile, shake hands and work together. And
1: we did on the private uh, drug plans, yeah. Kind of the way the Disaster Recovery Institute, the Business Continuity Institute, and so many others, you know, all drive towards the same, uh, relatively the same, you know, don't get mad at me, uh, either organization. But the same, you know, the, the professionalism and the, the practices of the industry. Right. And sometimes, you know, if the two have to join together to agree on something, otherwise, you know, if you don't, you end up, as you say, you know, your company could be impacted severely. Right. Or causing complete chaos. Exactly. Right. One interesting side effect
2: of that was uh, the the big uh, the big three all went to cheaper drug plants, and we were allowed. I was now allowed to get a company card, to be from one of the big three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it got you back, got them back in the end. Eh? Not a good so, positive. So you you mentioned um, freedom over time. So with typical uh, a typical issue, you know, what is the time allotment? The time allotment, you know, from when something is identified to legislation, is that years, is that weeks or months, or does it really depend on the issue itself? It
2: does depend on the issue. It also depends upon how good you are at picking up the trend, too. Sometimes there's been a whole lot of, um, you know, the, the, the private drug plan, in hindsight, looking on that. Um, I'm not sure how to put it this way. We were a very highly conservative organization and industry, highly successful. I mean, just to give you an example, when generics first came along, we called those companies pirates. Oh, really? Yeah. That tells you. The nice blue suits, the nice silk ties, the whole thing. That was our business. We were the pharmaceutical industry. Kind of like the 1930s when banks had gold ceilings, you know. Mm -hmm. Now they don't seem to do that much anymore. I guess they put their gold in the vault. (laughs) It's usually on the top
1: floor with with, a mahogany
2: row. (laughs) That's right. But, I mean, uh, so we kind of were in denial. And... um, and of course, they went through growing pains where their products were not really that good, and they eventually developed high, high manufacturing standards, every bit as good as the brand name, for sure. So uh, they they became a reality, and a number of the major pharmaceutical prescription pharmaceutical companies ended up uh, buying generic companies, and but. You have to manage them by somebody else, not the, the guys in the right. in nice uh, dark
1: blue suits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious with with legislation. I know it takes away your freedom, but what happens if an issue does head for legislation? What does that do to the organization? Like, what do you have to all well, of a sudden do? What what changes all sure. of a sudden get made? Yeah. Well,
2: one one issue we identified actually hits on that. And it was called regulatory burden. You know, how much time and how much of your salary goes towards satisfying the uh, requirements of uh, the government? So, obviously, when it reaches that point, you start getting legislation, regulations. They come and visit and look at your files and want to know if you're doing this and this and that, that the regulation said uh, you should do. And... uh, so the regulatory burden increases. And secondly, um, and perhaps more importantly, is the simple fact that your freedom's in the marketplace. You know, I suppose the extreme capitalist says government should be right out of our face. We should do whatever we want with our product. We should get our patents for 100 years, charge as much as we want, and do our thing. But that's not the real world, nor, nor should it be. You need to have balances in place, it, it really becomes a matter of is this issue really serious enough that uh, we really have to have legislation. We had an example, I was on the um, even when, in my middle management days I was on the pharmaceutical manufacturers association marketing um, uh, committee and at that time we brought in standards for promotion because uh, there were increasing uh, concerns by government and, um, and other parties that um, the promotion to the physicians was sometimes too pushy, um, not scientifically based, etc., etc., etc. There was a day when you brought out a new drug, you'd get the key decision makers, it's usually the specialists in the field from all over the country and fly them down to Florida or wherever um, uh, and, uh, and wine them and dine them and then maybe spend some time talking about how great your product was. This, this isn't something that was acceptable by today's standards and, and even back then. I think this was probably in the mid-1980s uh, that the, that the, um, the marketing uh, committee actually set up a review, and uh, there was a handful of us that were looking at promotional things. Computers were coming in, so then you could give a clinician a computer to use, and they could get to keep it. I think that's called bribery, uh, uh-huh. and what, what we, we used to call ourselves the ethical industry, but I, it seems to me that, that strikes me as bribery.
1: And, and you know want your
2: doctor prescribing drug A because he's or she
1: has been given a computer. Right. That's well, that's in a lot of uh, what do they call it? Code of conduct now that you can't accept gifts from. Uh, I know many even the, com- the company I'm doing uh, contract work for right now has that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't accept gifts. You can't right. accept, you know. Um, uh, all kinds of different things, tickets to events, you know, if it's perceived or or even can be potentially perceived as being, uh, you know, you Absolutely use your word bribery, you know. Absolutely correct. So, you know, so with the legislation, all, all of that stuff that comes into play, it, it can really harm you down the road. It looks right. Like you, you should have been going, you know, straight ahead and you veered off to the side simply because you you know, weren't really behaving right. ethically. You were trying to just correct. get sales and that's it. Absolutely you know. correct. So on that note, we're going to take uh, our second break and we'll be right back talking about issues management with Glenn Duff.
3: Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said All at last. Return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. news, opinion, news. opinion. Hear, hear hear your voice hear counts. Hear Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 472 5787 voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected...
1: And welcome back to preparing for the unexpected. We're talking uh, with Glenn Duff about issues management. We've been getting some great insight on um, a much better and wider perspective on issue management, rather than you know uh, just a disaster uh, type of perspective or a project management perspective. And we've talked about the life cycle. You know, we've defined what an issue is in our first segment. So. How about you walk us through what is? How do you analyze an issue? You know, from uh, you know determining what next steps will be, how you how we manage it, who needs to get involved, you know, um, that whole whole piece. Yeah. You know.
2: Sure. Sure, Alex. Uh, the um, I, I think the important uh, thing here is um, you only. Really spend time on an issue that you've identified that has a significant effect on the organization. And it's one that you also feel you can afford the time and money to deal with it because you you need to have an action program. Uh, Otherwise, it's just purely an academic exercise. when an issue uh, was uh, considered to be growing and important, with that potential to uh, really affect your uh, your business and uh, and your business environment, um, I, I would um, start off by giving it a sort of a, a cutesy kind of title, or at least a succinct title. I mean, pricing is easy. Pricing is pricing. Uh, the private drug plans. That was. Plans that existed for employees uh, that uh, were were part of their uh, their uh, benefits from, uh, uh, paid for by the company uh, or shared by the employee. So um, that it's important to have a title so that people people aren't using different terms and talking about the same thing. It just
1: causes uh, mass confusion. Well, that's like at the break. where I, I during the break I had mentioned that uh, some of the people that I've worked with before. Um, that are doing you know, raising issues and projects or or anything like that, and they right. they give the the title this huge long paragraph, and everyone's got a different uh, understanding of what that paragraph is saying. Sure. And, and even I just sit there, you know, with a look on my face, and what are you trying to tell me? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure.
2: I mean, an example of one that became kind of an annual thing. Um, I had to manage it because we were the the largest. Um, Uh, uh, division of the company the the human pharmaceuticals the prescription drug business but we also had uh, several other businesses and uh, we had an image um, certainly among Greenpeace and the other environmental activists so uh, when they came up with the idea of Earth Day that was fine nothing had happened for a few years and then we found out in Switzerland that they had marched around our uh, our, uh, building and um, and uh, it became obvious this could happen in Canada. So here was an example of a bit of uh, issues crisis uh, planning. And, of course, the, the media is going to be right there with mm-hmm. them. So you're not allowed to punch them out, right? No, <laughs> nope, <idea>. not allowed. <laughs> so we had actually devised a plan. And um, it, it actually included um, inviting, inviting one or two of them inside the building into an office for a discussion. That's pretty gutsy. Usually, you know, the bars go up, you know, automatically, and you know. Yeah. But the um, uh, we ha- we had a, we never had to use it, so I don't know if it worked. But anyway, the plan was to try to talk to them, hear what the the their issues are and concerns are, and just give them a chance to to vet. Rather than outside with the cameras, you know, when you're <laughs> yeah yeah. So um, uh, getting getting back to to the sort of the the run of the mill issues that are let's say for example of the 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 four and five the nine issues we had in our strategic plan, one year um, after getting a handy putting a handle on it, you know, on a title, uh, we would uh, define, have a clear definition of what we mean. What are the boundaries of this issue that are of concern to us? Um, And I don't need to go into further details there, but I think that's important. Um, A backgrounder is always valuable. And I'm I'm not talking about writing a thesis. I'm talking about something a busy executive will sit down, read, take an interest in, and understand it. in this whole thing, a backgrounder might be at most
1: one page.
2: So it, like might, it might a, be a three-page document. The, like the whole like thing. A
1: trigger what triggers the? Pardon me. What could potentially trigger the issue, or well, uh, yes what created right. the issue? Maybe a or? bit of the history
2: on it. Uh, but 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 that would certainly be one thing. You'd also include in that uh, the stakeholders. That's very mm-hmm. important. Sometimes you could get stakeholders that um, had very, very different positions. I mean, your own industry is going to be supportive, but they're not the big stakeholder that's driving the issue. But uh, clearly, uh, I mean, I could give you a good example. Medical journals and pharmacy, pharma call it, pharma, uh, pharmacy journals um, were generally very much on our side. As, so there's a source of media. And those are ones read by guess who—doctors and pharmacists are key our cust- key stakeholders, right. as opposed to the daily newspaper or whatever's out there that uh, that wants to cause us trouble. Um, but looking at the stakeholders and what their role in it and what they're up to and doing and might do, um, the other thing is the potential impact. So. For example, of these, let's say the five external issues that we had identified as part of our strategic plan, obviously all of them had passed the test that, that, in that they are, they're important. But even within those, the potential um, economic impact uh, would be very important. Um, urgency and timing, probability uh, are, are both important. Um, for example, the case of Earth Day, it's probably a once-a-year thing. They're not likely to show up on Christmas Eve. If they did, we still had a plan. Just Excuse me, I just have to go to the file and get something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The ability to influence is really important. In some cases, so so has, what
1: do you mean by that? Ability well,
2: the ability to, ability to influence is basically, is there anything we can do about it? That's known or not known? Well... If okay. okay, well, when, when you do this analysis, part of it is, is there something we can do to really make a difference? Because you can be sure it's going to cost time and money. So how much? And, it, it, you know, the other, the other thing, of course, was our ability to influence the private drug plans is driven to the industry because it was an industry-wide issue. And we obviously felt we needed all the help we could get to uh, to manage this or to at least try to, in some is, cases, maybe delay, delaying or whatever. Um, is it
1: also influencing, um, you know, other, like the, the, the general public itself or trying to influence the media? Does it include that kind of a thing? And I don't mean influences in trying to cloud it or something. Yeah, it's to tried. To the message.
2: It's tough. You know, Obviously, as you can appreciate um, when I retired, I was on a, um, I was hired by, uh, there were seven multinationals, uh, mainly in the um, agricultural chemical field. And we had one of the businesses in it. And um, this is when um, genetic engineering was just starting to come to light. And I was actually hired to do some of the Canadian issues and communication on it but they had spent a huge amount of money primarily driven by the biggest player there and that was Monsanto and what they were they wanted to change attitudes of the public on genetic engineering and quite honestly it, it 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 the effect it had was temporary and minimal and this was not a small amount of money i'm talking tens of millions of dollars in one year that sounds like it would be quite the uphill battle, like well, Sisyphus pushing a boulder
1: uphill. You know, it, it, it,
2: you know we, we, we made about a 2% change on, on attitudes, and then as soon as the the program stopped it, it, was back to where it was. So did it do any good? Probably not. Wow. Uh, but that was an attempt to change public attitudes. Uh I'd like to say I pity the poor politicians. I really don't. I think they deserve (laughs) it. But can you imagine, you know, you've got a a big issue and the media is getting on to it. They love the story. We talk about a story that has legs. It's not just on the CBC News at night. It's on for a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are the ones the opposition likes to drive. But then when they get into power, now they don't like it so much because now they're supposed to be doing something about it. And. Well, maybe
1: can't. Like I've said before, it doesn't matter who's in power. They all exactly. do the same thing exactly. eventually.
2: <laughs> so and then the other thing you do with, with an issue as an organization, and this is critical, you have to draft a position. What's the position of your company? So, you know, it may be that there's some give and take where you know you don't lose a lot, get or maybe you lose nothing. Saying, look, you know, we're quite willing to do this. Animal testing was a good example. I mean, this was a hot, emotional issue,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um, uh, clearly, uh, th- this was important to the pharmaceutical industry because many of your basic drug characteristics are done in uh, in mammals and uh, primates specifically. Uh And that's always uh, was always a very sensitive issue. We've we've had our research facilities uh, bombed. Really? In the U.S. Yeah. We think it was. I I won't mention it. It was a well-known animal rights organization whose president, I might add. A young woman and it goes back a number of years, but she had said if. My father required a heart operation that had been tested on dogs to save his life. I would prefer that he didn't have it.
1: Wow. It's powerful. I don't word. know if she's still in the will or 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 not. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should laugh at that or not. <laughs> um okay, so the that's um the that all everything to do with the Managing an issue, uh, or are there other pieces that we should yeah, consider? Yeah, okay.
2: The other a couple of other quick things, as far okay. as sort of the process of issue management, mm-hmm. is we would identify an issue sponsor. So what's a sponsor? A sponsor is uh, the person who has the accountability and the responsibility for leading the orchestra on that issue. For example, if it was the head of our our production, our pharmaceutical production, which was located in Dorval, Quebec, we were in Mississauga, Ontario, the head office. Um, If it was in that area, he would obviously be the issue sponsor, and he then... Uh, have to do a DER at the management committee meetings on that issue, which is basically a department exception report. Uh, So here's my plan. This is what I'm supposed to be doing up to date. If he has nothing to say, it means he's done everything. (laughs) So he's never really allowed to. It's it's the way CEOs (laughs) get action. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, department exception reports, and uh, often uh, that's that's uh, he would have to hit on the issue that he was the sponsor. of. Maybe it'd be the head of medical, the head of marketing. So
1: he circles the wagons type yep. thing and makes sure that everything gets yep. uh, done that needs to get done. Keeps on message. Yeah. You know, if this is our position, we got to stay there, and you know, we don't. Exactly. We don't change it unless. Yep actually that brings me to a question has, the there, been, be, has there been times where me, and they have there been times when uh, a company has had a specific position but had to change it
2: oh yes you update it like you would anything else I think where we are for example on um, environmental issues is not where we were fifteen years ago or thirty years ago or fifty years ago mm-hmm uh, back then, if it was business and they're making money, you know, everybody was saying the, the oceans, there's huge amount of water around. And so what if you're putting out a bit of chemicals? It's not the same today, is it? No. So different. obviously, imagine if that was an issue identified, which <clears throat> any company worth their salt that's in the chemical business had to know what was going on in the, even the late 60s and the 70s. And look how that's evolved. Mm-hmm.
1: We have two minutes left. Is there anything left in the issue analysis? Uh, that no, I think that's,
2: that's pretty well it. That's, it's a lot of work. Um, bottom line um, that I,
1: I, I really believe in is an issues-driven strategic plan. So what's your advice in the last minute we have to all of our listeners out there for working for governments or private organizations sure. or uh, public organizations, anything, what advice would you give them in in one minute when it comes to issues management? Yeah,
2: I I think it's critical that they use people within the that the target organization to promote the concept and the understanding of issues management. Very often, it seems to go against what the uh, many of the departments are doing. You know, we're busy manufacturing pills. I'm not really concerned that this and this. But the senior guy, the vice president in charge of production, has to be concerned about that. So therefore as people should be. Even though it's not their primary job, but it's it's something that's in the interest of the organization. So for example, if I was going to be employed as an issues manager, I'd 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 be pretty I'd be doing my research to make sure the the corporate president the board of directors, were uh, understood issues management, and, and it was very important. When um, Howard Chase of Harvard, do you have a minute? Yep, we go. We, okay, go ahead. When Howard yeah, Chase of of Harvard, uh, coined the term issues management and developed the science and the art of issues management, he um, made it very clear that it needs to be related to an action program of some kind. And um, I think if, if, if an organization is, simp- so yeah, so what I was going to say, what happened in the private sector was like when the MBAs first came along, every CEO wanted one. Mm-hmm. And this kind of happened uh, with issues management, and um, it, it, it didn't do well but it made it since made a resurgence so now you do find issues managers that are trained and understand the process and organizations that are adapted to it rather than just harvard review coming up with a couple of articles on issues management
1: yeah well thank you glenn there's been a lot of great information here um, i hope uh, our Listeners out there take a lot of this information back to their organizations because I know issues management and trying to get get issues addressed, resolved, and even identified um, isn't consistent everywhere. And I know that from personal experiences in the companies I've worked for. Thank you. So thank you very much for that. And I hope people do a search on the internet and look up some sites. Yeah, yep. Definitely do that, everyone out there. Um, thanks again, Glenn. Uh, Remember, if you have any topics you want to talk about, send me an email, info at stone-road.com. In the meantime, stay prepared, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.